We're going to continue along this series that we've been on for the last three weeks now. This is week four called You Can't Handle This. And, you know, and it really is, uh, I mean, if you don't know, our world is drastically different, right? I mean, everything has shifted in a massive way. But again, like I said a minute ago, is that we actually have the answer, whether we realize it or not. And even when we're overwhelmed and things seem like they're too great. And so over the last number of weeks, we've been looking at uh, several topics and several different things. And so we started out week one, really talking about whose wisdom are you listening to? And I shared with you about how the Lord just began to uh, drop some things in my heart because I kept hearing this phrase, even though I wasn't that aware of it is, well, that just doesn't sound like wisdom. Okay. Well, are you following natural wisdom or godly wisdom? And so we talked about that in week two, we talked about really who are you relying on? Like whose strength are you relying on? Are you looking to yourself to be able to help you get through things? Are you just saying, I'm just going to muscle up and make my way through this? Are you really asking the Lord and leaning into his help? And so we talked about that uh, in week two and week three. Last week I started, which I'm going to continue on today, really about uh, submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit is specifically in the area of praying in the spirit. And last week I gave you a lot of the biblical context of why and the doctrine, if you will, or the teaching behind the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, today I'm going to continue, not so much along the teaching of it per se, but what is it exactly? And so I want to share just a couple of things with you here. And I read this verse to you last week. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you that, just to give us some context together. But I'm just going to warn you. You're probably going to feel like you're drinking water from a fire hydrant through a hose from a straw this morning because i'm gonna be flying through some stuff so i'm just giving you a little heads up so if i start talking really fast you know when when i first started preaching because i used to you know i was a youth pastor for years and years and years and um, so young people didn't mind me talking fast and so one of the first few times i'd I actually had spoke in front of adults i was nervous and so i spoke really fast and i had this gentleman walk up to me after and he said young man he said, I really liked your preaching. He said, but you got to slow down. He said, I can't keep up with you. And, uh, you know, and so I've always had that in the back of my mind. And uh, so sometimes when I hear myself, I'm like, man, I'm talking fast. I'm like, slow down, you know, breathe a little bit. But in John chapter 14, starting in verse uh, 16 and 17, this is really a foundational scripture. This is Jesus speaking, talking about the Holy Spirit. But he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Now that word another means an exact duplicate. In other words, like if you ever heard people say, man, I would have loved to have been on the earth when Jesus walked the earth. Like I would have loved to be with Jesus. I would love to, to have experienced what it would have been like. You can, but it's going to be by the Holy spirit because it's an exact duplicate. This translation says advocate. There's lots of definitions for the Holy spirit. He's a helper. He's a comforter. One, uh, the actual picture of this is actually a defense attorney, like somebody who comes along your side to, to argue your case. That's one of the ways that we can see who the Holy Spirit is. And here's the good news, because obviously we know that Jesus and what, even what he told the disciples is, Hey guys, I'm getting ready to leave. And they're thinking like, what about us? And he says, Hey, I'm going to, but here's the good news. I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit will never leave you. It says, he will lead you into all truth. And he says, and this is a key verse. He says, but you know him. In other words, you, this is like know like as in a casual acquaintance way. Like you know about him. You don't really know him. But you have an idea of who he is. Because he lives with you. He's around. You see what he does. But later he will be in you. 
And so Jesus makes a very important distinction here that says, you know about the Holy Spirit. You've heard me talk about the Holy Spirit. So you have an idea of who he is, but he's going to be not just uh, external, he's going to become internal. And so it's important that we understand this. And even later on in chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus begins to continue along the same line. And he says, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, so in my place, God is sending who? The Holy Spirit. says, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. And so he's, he's giving us a clue as to the role and the function of the Holy Spirit in our life as a believer. And so, and so if we look at this and we understand it from Scripture, and I told you this last week and I'll tell you again, I would encourage you to go read John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. Jesus talks quite a bit about the Holy Spirit in those four chapters. And so if you're unfamiliar with it, those are great places to go read. And, you know, you're like, well, I don't know where to start. Now, you can go and look throughout really all of Scripture, but especially in the New Testament, you can see the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, you see it in the life of Jesus. And let me tell you this. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, so do we. And I'm going to show you this from Scripture in a minute. Jesus didn't do what he did because he was the Son of God. Jesus did what he did because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And the good news is, is that we as individuals, can also be anointed with the Holy Spirit today. And so that's an important distinction. And so here, actually, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, this verse shows you all three of the parts, if you will, of the Trinity, which is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he says, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So you have God, Father God, Jesus of Nazareth, and the, or God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, This is a, and I've highlighted some words here. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit first. Then Jesus went about and did good. Jesus was on the earth for 30 years and we never hear about a miracle. We never hear about, you know, anything miraculous happening. But we see that Jesus was baptized in water. And the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tried and tempted of the devil. And it says after those 40 days that he was strengthened And that he walked out of that wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus began to do miraculous things. Now, the same thing is true for us. If we really want to be used by God to do things that maybe outside of our comfort zone, you're like, man, I have a desire to be used by God. I I desire for God to use me in a unique way. It's going to require that the Holy Spirit, that you're submitted to the Holy Spirit. And so last week I, I talked with you quite a bit about really the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, last weekend. Uh, actually, technically, last Friday would have been Pentecost, but we call it Pentecost Sunday. And it's where we celebrate and honor. Uh, it was really a, uh, a festival that the Jewish people still celebrate for Passover, but it was what? It was 50 days past that was Pentecost. Well, in Acts 2, we see the fulfillment of that is that the day of Pentecost was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had told them about and had been telling them about to the point that he said, hey, do not leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit shows up. And I like to think of it this way is in my mind, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm going to ask, how would I know when the Holy Spirit shows up? And in my mind, Jesus probably would smirk and say, you'll know, you'll know, like nobody will have to tell you, you'll know when the Holy Spirit shows up. And so we looked at that last week. And so if you weren't here, I would encourage you. 
jump online, listen to that message to give you some context for this message. But I want to give you a couple of examples uh, of some things here in scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, or if you're on your phone, you can click and go to Acts chapter eight. We're going to look at a couple passages here um, of where instances where we see that people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, because it's important, and, and I believe, it, and even in light of what we're going through right now, and even what I shared with you last week, is that, look, I don't believe that we're going back to anything normal. That's not really my hope, my intention. I'm not living from a natural mindset. I want to live that, hey, I want to live my life like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Now, is he? I don't know. But I want to live my life not from just a natural perspective. I want to live my life from a spiritual perspective that God is up to something. And if God is up to something, it's going to be good. Why? Because he is good and he does that which is only good. That's who God is. And so if I look at the natural, I can get very discouraged. I can get very frustrated. Anybody else? I mean, I I, I think we should be able to like turn off like mainstream media for like 30 days. I think that would solve a lot of problems, you know, and I'm not just bashing them in any way, but, but man, we get fed so much stuff constantly. I mean, if we could just turn down some of the influences, I think our peace would actually come back. But you know what? Even in spite of all of these things, we can still have peace if we have the right focus. And so even in these moments, we can get overwhelmed and we can get to this point in kind of this frenzied moment of like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And the answer is we turn to God. We look to him. He is the source of our peace. He is the, let me say it this way, is that this earth is not our final home. We have an eternal home that is waiting for us. So I don't want to live just for life on this planet. I want to live for life there. And so how do I, how do I live like I live there now? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And it, in Acts chapter 8, We see here, starting in verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message. Now, there's a whole lot that could be said right there, but the Jewish people of Samaritans did not like each other. So the whole fact that they were even willing to go there was kind of against their culture. It was 100% against their culture. Jews would walk around Samaria versus walking through it, right? And so, but it says that when the... When the apostles heard that the Samaritans had accepted God's message. So in other words, let me use some language we understand. They were saved. They, they heard about Jesus. They heard about his death, burial, and resurrection. And they said, we believe in Jesus. So at this moment, these Samaritans are saved. It says that the apostles sent Peter and John there. And it said, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers. Now, I'm particular on words because I believe words matter, right? I just do. If you don't think words matter, just say the wrong thing to your wife and find out how much words don't matter. Like you're going to find out real quick, like words matter. But it says, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And last week I talked about this a little bit because people many times can be taught or have the understanding. Well, I thought I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. You got saved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who brought conviction into your life to even cause you to turn to God. But there is another experience on the other side of salvation. 
Salvation is about what? The forgiveness of our sin, but receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about being empowered by the very Spirit of God to live this life differently, not in our own strength. And so it says, goes on. Now again, these are new believers. I want you to understand that. It says, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It says, then Peter and John laid their hands upon these new believers and they received the Holy Spirit. And so we see this here. We see it in Acts chapter 2. Everybody who was there in that upper room, 120 people, they were all saved because Jesus had already satisfied the price that needed to be paid for salvation. And yet there's this secondary moment where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. Now here in Acts chapter 8, we see it again. These people are saved and yet there's another experience on the other side of salvation. In Acts chapter 10, we're not going to read these uh, passages of scripture, but... The, path, the story is told that, that Peter gets up and begins to preach to these Gentiles. And as he's preaching, these people begin to what be filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues and no one even told them about it to the point where you go read it. This is no, Peter says, well, I guess we can't really say much about the Gentiles having the baptism of the Holy Spirit since they've obviously already received it. So if they've already received it, I guess we should probably just bless it. That's a good idea, Peter. Like, I mean, what else is almost like, what else am I going to say at this point? Right. And and so we see this here. And and then in Acts chapter 19, verses one through six, we see where the apostle Paul is traveling on one of his missionary journeys. And it says that he came across 12 people who were new converts, if you will. They were new believers in Christ. And so he asked them, he says, have you been baptized? He asked him, he says, Hey, what baptism did you receive? And he says, Oh, we were baptized in the baptism of John. And he he tells him, he says, well, that was a baptism unto repentance. But what about empowering to live differently? How many of you know that we are as the church, as Christians, we are not to look like the culture around us. We are supposed to be countercultural. And the problem many times in many churches and for many believers, they look just like their coworkers and they act just like their coworkers and they deal with problems just like their coworkers. But we are called to what? Be outside and different than our culture. Not weird, not strange, strong. Like, I mean, we ought to live in a way that people look at us and say, there's something different about you. And thank you. As long as that's not me being weird. I mean, I say it all the time because when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, people just think he's going to make me weird. The Holy Spirit will only make you what you already are. He's not going to change you. He's a helper, not a changer. Now, he may help you change, but you got to change. He may empower you to change, but you got to change. He's not going to do it for you. He's not going to make you do anything. He's not going to take you over in some weird thing and be like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Nope. You have a will, and God will not violate that will. But it happens here where the Apostle Paul is talking and he asked him and he says, hey, what baptism did you have? And he says, "Okay, but did anyone tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I love their responses. We didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Like who? who? Who are you talking about? And so he tells them about the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak with other tongues. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Speak with other tongues. And so that's what I want to talk about today and share with you today 
is, is because there is a, it's really a divine language, if you want to call it that. that is, that's a pretty accurate description. But it's also a personal prayer language. In other words, it's as unique as your thumbprint. It's unique to you, and it's a, it's a, a private language between you and the Lord. Now, and, and depending on your knowledge of Scripture, people may say, yeah, but that's a gift of tongues. That's a totally different subject. This is about a personal, private prayer language between you and the Lord. 100%. This isn't for public use. I'm not saying that it's banned by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just saying the main purpose and benefit is for you personally. And so I want to share some things with you today about what this is and why it matters and how do we walk in this. And so in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, this kind of contrast, this is John the Baptist speaking, but it, it, it contrasts the two baptisms, if you will. Because there's water baptism, which we understand that's a public declaration of what, just letting people know, hey, I've made a decision and I'm identifying my life with Christ. But then there's also water, or I'm sorry, there's Holy Spirit baptism. You're like, so do I have to get saved and water baptized and then filled with the Holy Spirit? Not necessarily. You have to get saved first. (laughs) You have to surrender your heart to Jesus. And then the other two can come in whichever order you desire. You can get water baptized or filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit prior to water baptism. One is not dependent upon the other. But John the Baptist is speaking here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. It says, but someone is coming who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave or to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, there's a lot of debate as to what that with fire means. Let me tell you this, though. Hebrew says that our God is a consuming fire, Right? And so many times we can see that even in the Old Testament where we see the imagery of a fire and it represents the presence of God. It represents God being in that moment. But, you know, one of the things about a fire is that it purifies, right? You put elements in there, it's going to consume some things. And so part of what I believe that this is actually speaking to is that when we will submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, invite him in and his presence comes, he will what? Begin to burn some things up that don't need to be there. Like, I'll give you an example. When I got saved, like, I mean, I got saved laying in my bed by myself. So just, you know, it wasn't a glorious moment or anything. And, uh, but I got baptized in the, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit the same week. I was never, because I had tried many, 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 many times to live for God in my own ability. And I failed miserably every time. Every time. And there were things that I struggled with and fought with. And I was just like, man, I can't do this. And eventually I would give up. And just like, man, I'm just going to go back to doing what I want because it was easier. But when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there were things that had been strongholds in my life for years that seemingly instantly were gone. It's like in a moment of time. Doesn't mean I was perfect. It didn't mean that I didn't have a lot of stuff to deal with. But there were the, the power of some of those strongholds in my life were instantly broke. Why? Because the, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to burn up some stuff too. And it's not in a bad way, a negative way. It's actually in a very good way. But that's, I believe, what this is happening. And so I want to share with you, because this is the way my brain works. I'm analytical. I want to understand the behind the scenes of stuff. Like, I don't care that my bike works. I want to understand how the gears work in it. Like, you know, one time when I was a kid, I took a brand new bike completely apart. Like, every nut, every bolt, laid it all out on the floor. When my dad got home, I said, hey, dad, can you help me put my bike back together? Why? Because I wanted to know how it worked. 
We never got the bike back together. And, uh, and I didn't get another bike either, but, um, that's, I'm still, I'm still praying for some healing in that, but, but no, but this is the way my brain works. It's like, okay, if I'm praying in the spirit, what's actually happening now you may not think this way, but this is the way I'm wired. It's just like how, what's happening. And so I want to share with you some of the, really what I believe the benefit and the purpose behind praying in the Holy Spirit. I said last week, Having the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not make you a better Christian than any other Christian. I believe it has everything to do with life on earth and has nothing to do with life in heaven. I don't think we're going to walk around with like a special jewel in our crown that says, oh, that was one of them tongue-talking people. I would actually argue this is that I believe that for those who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe we will be held to a higher standard. It got real quiet on that one. Like really quiet on that one. Why? Because I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but did I walk in the ability that God gave me? This isn't a badge to wear. Doesn't make me better than anybody else, but it does empower me to live the way that God desires for me to live. And so what's happening when I'm praying in the Spirit? I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. Again, we're talking about a private, personal prayer language here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 2, the apostle's writing and he says, When someone speaks in tongues or in a heavenly language, it says no one understands a word that he says. I mean, I can start speaking in tongues right now. And most likely, unless there was an operation of the Holy Spirit, nobody in this room is going to have any idea what I just said. And I'm like, well, that sounded weird. That's going to be your thought. But he says... No one understands because he's not speaking to people, but to God. See, when I begin to to pray in the spirit, I'm not just praying for anybody. I'm praying. It's like a direct line to heaven. Remember those infomercials that have those 800 numbers? And it's like, or use the direct line. I like getting those direct lines to people, especially when it's like tech support, you know, you call the 800 number and it's like, press one for this. Press for, and it's like 10 minutes later and you're like, finally, I'm at the menu. That's when, when I get to those people, I'm like, hey, I need your direct number. Because I don't want to have to go through all that foolishness to get here again. And so I keep those numbers. You know, internet goes down. I'm not calling whatever number. I'm calling this guy directly. Well, we can have that direct line to God too. And he says here. That we're not speaking to people, but to God. It says he is speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. Now, I believe that you can, and according to scripture, I believe that even as we pray in the spirit, we can ask God for understanding. It's not that we're just praying in the spirit and have no idea what we're ever praying. I shared an example with you last week of where God did something uh, pretty unique in a moment in my life. Where he used this, well, if you weren't here. I went to Brazil and I spoke perfect Portuguese while I was praying. Now, I don't know a lick of Portuguese. I can tell you. I was there for five days. I'd been in the country less than 24 hours. And I was praying, getting ready for a service that night. And a girl told me exactly what I was praying. And she knew I could not speak any Portuguese. I'd never heard it in my life till that day. Well, that's not because of me. That was an operation of the Holy Spirit. That, I wish I could make that happen. That would be cool. But I, it happened one time years ago. Like, Lord, can we do that again? Because it was cool. Again, my motive's wrong, but I just, I thought it was pretty neat. But, I mean, I've heard of it, you know, but I've never seen it happen. But it happened. 
So he says, here he gives the instructions. Hey, when we pray in the spirit, we're praying unto God, not unto man. First Corinthians 14, 14 and 15 says, for if I'm praying in a tongue, my spirit is engaged in prayer. He says, I have no clear understanding of what is being said. So here's what I've concluded. I will pray in the spirit, but I will also pray with my mind engaged. Now, it's important that you understand this is that we are a three-part being. You have, you know, there's your flesh. That's your body. That's this physical being that we live in. That's the thing you can pinch, right? Your mind is your, what? Your, we call it your soul. It's your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect. It's your reasonings. It's all of those things. So I can pray with my intellect or I can pray in my spirit man, which is a much different and a much higher level. And, and we'll discuss some of these things here in the next few minutes. But why would I need to pray in the Holy Spirit? Like, what's the big deal about it? Let me show you in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He says, the Holy Spirit will take hold of us, and really that should say with us, in our human frailty. In other words, recognize our limitation. We come to a point and it's like, I don't know how to pray. You ever been faced with a situation you're like, I know I should pray, but I have no idea what to say. Like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what right words to use. And he says the Holy Spirit will what? He will partner with us in our frailty to empower us in our weakness. Another word you could use there is in our limitation. It says, for example, at times we don't even know how to pray or the best things for us to ask. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf. Have you ever heard that word intercede or intercession? It's another word for prayer. Just another word for prayer. That's all it is. And I love how this translation adds that the Holy Spirit will rise up on the inside of us and will super pray with us. He's going to take my prayer to another level, to another place that I can't get just by myself. It's not possible. And the Holy Spirit will partner with me. Now, here's one, of, and this is just a, a little added thing. Say, why is praying in the Spirit so important? Have you ever prayed a selfish prayer? Anybody else? You prayed a prayer that you knew, man, it was just what you wanted. Here's the thing. When you pray in the Spirit, it's impossible to pray a selfish prayer. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit praying through you. Now, this doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be strange. Again, you are in control. God's not going to make you do anything. I mean, I've never been walking through Walmart and then all of a sudden just started speaking in tongues to people. How are you? You know, it doesn't happen. Like, it's just not. That's not the way God works. I mean... Let me, let me give you another example of this. How many of you would like to know everything that's going to happen before it happens? What if they were really bad things? Let me give you an example. What if the Lord told you, hey, tomorrow this is going to happen to your kid? Well, guess what your kid's not going to be doing tomorrow? Going anywhere but their bed. But you can begin to pray and to pray in the Holy Spirit. And God can what? Make a way around what would be a very adverse negative situation and protect your child even through it. See how, So to me, I believe is that if I'm limited to my prayer to what I know, then I may live in fear because of what I know. But if I pray in the spirit, it brings peace, which allows me to live a peaceful life. 
Say, I don't want to know everything. I just want to trust God with the future and say, God, I'm going to take my next step and I'm going to live tomorrow. I'm going to live today. I, I, I want to take things as they come, listening for the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I've prayed in the Spirit. And because I've prayed in the Spirit, I've actually been able to go into the future and pray. I don't have to wait for circumstances to come to pray about them. I can pray in the Spirit even ahead of time. Why? Because I serve a God who sees ahead and makes provision. I mean, have you ever had the thought, like, I just feel behind in prayer? Like, man, I need to pray more. I haven't been praying enough. Okay, I'm a logical, analytical thinker. If I can be behind, I can be ahead. Just seems reasonable. So how do I do that? I can pray in the Spirit. As the Bible says, I'm praying forth what? Divine mysteries, divine understanding, the will of God even before it ever gets there. Down in, or the next verse here in verse 27 of Romans 8 says, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. You're like, why am I praying in this language? Nobody understands. God does. It says, For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. What am I praying when I'm pre- speaking in tongues? When I'm using this prayer language that God's given me? I'm praying forth the perfect will of God. Not like something close to the will of God. The perfect will of God. And this is probably one of the most used verses that people take out of context in all of Scripture. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What's the context that that verse is sitting in? Prayer. Specifically, prayer enabled or uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, people take this verse and say, oh, well, God's going to work everything for good. But in context, where does this scripture land? In the midst of prayer. So in other words, I can be confident that anything that I take to God through prayer, he's going to what? Bring it about for my good. It doesn't mean that everything is just going to magically turn out for my well-being. No, everything that I bring under and that I submit to God, he's going to bring it about for my good. That's what the scriptures are telling us here. We need to understand this. And so I have a challenge for some of you who have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Doesn't matter. But here's my question for you is how often do you actually exercise that gift? It does you no good if you don't use it. And, And what can happen is that, and I've even had this happen. And I've talked to many people. I said, man, I haven't prayed in the Spirit in a long time. I don't even know if I still can. Ask the Holy Spirit to begin to help you. It's a well that you need to tap into, into your life. Now, again, this is a, I'm not talking about the amount of time. I've shared this before, but there was a season in my life where we were in transition. I didn't know what to do. And I had a 25-minute drive to and from where I was working every day. And I prayed in the spirit from the moment I got in the truck to the moment I got out and when I got back in it. And so I had 50 minutes every day that I could pray in the spirit. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for months. This wasn't like a week. This was months doing this. But I watched God begin to lay out our, our, our future and begin to open doors. And all of a sudden there became clarity. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You can begin to pray in the spirit. Because it's the perfect will of God for your life. 
You're like, yeah, but, but how do I know when my answers come? You'll know. I mean, I can tell you, there have been situations, circumstances in my life that I have walked through and I thought, man, that was too easy. Like that should have been way harder than that really was. And yet I know in my heart, like, oh, this is something that I had already prayed about because I've been praying in the spirit. This is a a personal prayer language. See, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And every time that we pray in the spirit, this is what we're doing. We're acknowledging his presence and our desire for him. That's what we're, what we're doing in these moments. And so, you know, I said this a few minutes ago, but when we don't pray in the spirit, we are limited to what we know. But when we do pray in the spirit, we're limited to what the Holy Spirit knows. By the way, he's part of God and knows everything. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows our whole life. He knows our first breath and our last one. That's what the Bible tells us. So, hey, we ought to be listening for the Holy Spirit. In Jude, uh, it's just one chapter, but it's verse 20. He gives the instruction. He says, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So when we pray in the Spirit, we're not really actually doing it for anybody else. We're doing it, why? Because it strengthens us. The Passion Translation says this, says the one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress. That we're moving forward. So we have to what? This is the, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We looked at this last week. It's the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That means a complete immersion. I gave you the example last week. Getting saved is like drinking water. It's good. It's enjoyable. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like jumping in the pool where the water came from. It's a complete immersion. And it's a very different way of living when we're empowered by the Spirit. And look, and none of us walk in this place all the time. Jesus is the only one who walked in the power of the Spirit all the time. And we have to be refilled. Why? Because life happens and because we leak out. And so we have to be, allow God's presence to fill us back up. See, this is a tremendous weapon for us as believers, and we ought to use it to our advantage. Especially against the enemy. So I want to give you four quick things. I'm just going to roll through these real quick. And four ways that the Holy Spirit actually empowers us. There's four specific ways that I see in Scripture. Number one is he empowers us to live out our faith. To live the life that we profess to believe. In other words, he keeps us from being a hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? Somebody who says they believe one thing and they do something different. So he empowers us to live the life that we profess to. The second one is this. I believe that he helps us to overcome challenges in our life. He does. He helps us to what? To live a full life. I remember one time when I was real early on in ministry, a, a, a minister that I knew who was much older than I was gave me one piece of advice. He says, always live and minister from your overflow, not your undertow. I was like, that's really, and I've always thought about that. Is that we're to live what? Lives full of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians tells us to be being filled, like continually. We have to, why? We need the presence of God. We live 
based off it. And here's the fourth one. And this one is really important. And it's that I believe that it makes us sensitive to the Holy Spirit and gives us discernment. Now, some people would say, well, I thought that there was a gift of discernment. No, there's not. There's a discerning of spirits. There's not a gift of discernment in Scripture anywhere. But, and why is that? Because I believe that every believer can have discernment. It's not reserved for somebody with a gift. The Holy Spirit wants to what? Be our discerner. Like in a moment, you're like, what decision do I do? What direction do I go? Do I do this? Do I do that? The Holy Spirit's going to tell you. Do I take this job? Do I not take this job? Do I buy this house? Do I not buy this house? I mean, like very practical things. And I can tell you lots of stories where the Holy Spirit spoke and I listened and it was good and I didn't and it wasn't good. Because he gave me discernment and really what's discernment? It's having an understanding of what's right to do in that moment. And as we pray in the Spirit, all of these things are happening all at the same time. It's not like I pray and say, okay, Lord, I need you to help me be sensitive. I need you to fill me up. I need you to do this. I need you. No, it's all happening at once. It's like a, a massive spiritual download. Just, and again, doesn't have to be weird. If you hear nothing else I say today, please hear that. It doesn't have to be weird. And as a matter of fact, it shouldn't be weird. Jesus was never weird. He did some strange things. But he was never weird. People liked to be around him. They enjoyed being around him. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is powerful, but it is practical. It really is. And the purpose is for what? So that we can impact people. I mean, I, I had an experience one time with a young man, and, and I'd been around him for a while. And, and so one day we were talking, and he was um, he was raised in a particular church that taught that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was like demonic. And he was, and we were talking about it, and he was like, "Man, he's like, but you're nothing like what I've been told." And he's like, "And I know this family, man, they're awesome people." And he goes, I, "So I, he goes, I'm kind of torn between like." Y'all seem like you're really godly people, but I've been told my whole life it was demonic. But his experience around us, which this is another term for this. I know I'm throwing a lot of terms. It would be spirit-filled. Now, if you hang your badge on the, or your hat on the fact that you're a spirit-filled believer, come on back. Walk in some humility. Right? This isn't, this isn't a place to make us important. It's a gift from God that he wants for everybody. And anybody can have it at any time they desire. In Mark chapter 16, here's my last scripture for you today. Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 15. Now again, I've highlighted some words because I just want you to, to, to really understand this. Is these first two words, whoever believes... This is the Great Commission, right? So, how many of you know that salvation is for everybody? I mean, the Bible says that God wishes that all would come to salvation and that all would walk in the knowledge of Christ. So, salvation is available to everybody. And here, this is Jesus commissioning the disciples. The initial disciples says, Whoever believes in the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And he says, And these Miracle signs will accompany those who believe. So again, whoever believes, those who believe. There's no distinction here between getting saved 
and what Jesus is about to say as a miraculous sign, right? It didn't say whoever believes will be saved, but the apostles are going to do these things. The spiritual elite are going to do these things. No, it says whoever believes to be saved can also do this. And it says here that these signs will accompany those who believe. It says they will drive out demons in the power of my name. Not in their own power. In the power of the name of Jesus. It says they will speak in tongues or in languages. Super, it goes on. It says they will be supernaturally protected from snakes and drink or drinking anything poisonous. Now, don't get freaked out by that. We have no snakes anywhere. And in reality, what it's actually talking about here is, um, it's really talking about uh, demonic powers and things of that nature. It's not talking about physical snakes or anything, or even deadly poison. It's saying that no attack of the enemy will, will, uh, will ever prosper against you. That's really what this verse is saying there. And it says, and they will lay hands on the sick and they will see, and, and they will, or they will lay hands on the sick and will heal them. It says, look, every believer, every person who gets saved can do all of these things. Do you realize that you have authority over the demonic right now? And that may totally freak you out. And you may say, man, I wouldn't know what to do. That scares me. Here's the good news. You don't know. You don't have to know what to do. You just have to know who to call on. And you've been given the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus. And it's, a, it's an act of faith. You're like, man, I, that, that really concerns me. I, I think we're probably going to be hearing more and more and more about that doctrine in the church. Because I'm of the persuasion and of the belief that we're going to begin to see more demonic activity in America. More visible and we as believers need to understand we have authority. So what do you do in a moment where, man, I, I can't handle this moment? You step up and you say, in the name of Jesus. All authority is in that name. Well, the same faith it takes to do that is the same faith that it takes to what? To pray for somebody to be healed. We don't, I mean, that's like the easy one. We're all like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for somebody to be healed. But what about the area of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It takes faith. It's a step of faith. You know, it's just like salvation. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a free gift that comes from God. The only thing, and I said this earlier, the only thing that you have to do to qualify, if you will, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you have to be saved. Like, well, what does that mean? It means I acknowledge that I am a sinful person, that I need a savior, that Jesus came. That he died the death on the cross for my sins. Not just the sins of the world, for my sins. It's got to be personal. It's not just that Jesus was a good guy. No, he was Savior. He, he, he died the death of the cross. He was put into the grave for three days. And he rose again in new life. And that's the opportunity that we have. And so I want to lead you real quick in this. You may be here this morning and say, man, I want what you're talking about. I just need to make sure that everybody is actually can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I want to lead you in a quick prayer to make sure that anybody who wants to be saved, whether you're here in the room, whether you're online, you can pray this prayer with me. So if you would, just bow your heads with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. That he's done what he said he did. I thank you that I have the forgiveness of my sins. 
that I can walk in newness of life because of what Jesus has done for me. Amen. Well, I've got good news. If that was your first time praying that, the Bible says that you are now a part of a new family. That you are part of the body of Christ. And so, you know, the second thing that I want to do this morning, and this is important. And I'm going to ask you just to stand up with me for a moment. We're going to, uh, you know, I want to do this a little different. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come down front. We're not going to pray with you. We're going to practice some social distancing. But here's the good news. The Holy Spirit ain't a physical being, so you ain't going to where he can come close to you, right? But if you're here today and you say, man, I listened to you last week, I've listened to you today, and I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's really, really simple. Now, when I say simple, it's not a mental thing, because I tried to figure it out, and that got in the way for me. And so for me, I just had to get to the point that my desire to want it exceeded my desire to understand it. Now, when I got to that place, it was easy. Now, again, just so that we're clear, when I was received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, nobody prayed with me. So nobody was there like... So when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was an act of the Holy Spirit and no one else. So you're like, well, I thought somebody needed to pray with me. They didn't me. That's been 20-something years ago. I can't imagine trying to live my life without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so right where you are, I'm going to lead you in a similar prayer to what we just prayed over about salvation for you to open yourself up. And really what you're doing is saying, Holy Spirit, I submit to you. I'm surrendering to you. Now, whether you feel something, you may, you may not. But we don't live based off of our feelings. We don't live off of these moments. We receive it by faith. I mean, you didn't get a, a card in the mail saying, congratulations, you're a Christian when you got saved. You're not going to get something in the mail saying, hey, the Holy Spirit's now with you. That he's in you. No, that's not going to happen. But it's going to take some faith. And you have to what? Ask. The Bible says, if you ask, the Father will give the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here, I'm going to ask everybody to pray this. But you may be here and this may be your first time ever praying this prayer. And you may be kind of freaked out and that's okay. Because again, just like Jesus told the disciples, don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes. And you're like, well, how will I know? You're going to know. Like, well, how do I begin speaking a language? You know, I've attempted to learn a few languages and I sounded like an idiot. I still probably do anytime I try to say anything. But it just takes practice. And the more that you're like, Holy Spirit, help me. He's your guide. He's the one who will lead you. And you will, what? Develop a language just like you would any other language. And it may be a syllable, it may be two, maybe three. Some people just take off with it. I'm jealous of those people because that wasn't me. But it is available to you and you can receive it right now. And so if you're here, I'm just going to ask everybody, put your hands out like this. If you can, if you're holding a baby, you can do one hand. I see some mamas in here. Just close your eyes. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit into this moment. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here in this room right now. We see from Scripture that it is God's desire that every believer would be filled with your power. So, Holy Spirit, we just open ourselves up to you. We submit to you right now. We ask you to fill us up to overflowing. Thank you, Father. 
Okay, you can repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that I see very clearly that you desire for me to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me to strengthen me to empower me to help me to live this life not from my own strength but from your strength so I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit and I receive my personal prayer language in Jesus name Amen. So we're going to step back into just a moment of worship together. And this is what I would encourage you to do. Is just begin to, the, what I believe the, the Holy Spirit's already begun in you. He wants to do some more in these next few moments as we worship together. We're not going to be much longer, just a couple minutes. But I don't want to just rush out of here either. I want the Holy Spirit to minister to you through this moment. And so just continue that attitude of just saying, Holy Spirit, I'm open to what you're doing in my heart as we worship, okay?